Today we're continuing the series, Why I Follow Jesus. Last week, if you were joining us, we took a brief pause in our series as Pastor Alan Machado, our conference president, addressed the entire conference as a whole and gave us words of hope and wisdom. And we were thankful for that. And now we resume this idea and thought as to why it is that we have chosen to follow Jesus. If you listened two weeks ago, you saw Abby, one of our youth who actually now has graduated and is headed uh, to college. She opened the series up and gave us profound examples as to why it is she has chosen to follow Jesus. Throughout this time, it has been very difficult to connect with you guys. As many of you know, many of you have been uh, working from home. Uh, many kids just stuck at home trying to figure out what exactly life looks like. And we're slowly beginning to see a little bit of normality. We got the chance to meet with some of the mothers on Mother's Day, um, a few weeks during, during Mother's Day, um, that Saturday. We got to hand out gifts and interact with some of the mothers, and that was just a beautiful experience just to see everyone once again. And then just a couple of weeks back, we had a, uh, a graduation party where uh, we had a water balloon fight. And I apologize if any of you had your cars damaged by a water balloon. I don't think so. We didn't hear anything, but it was a great time just to see kids back again on our campus playing and interacting with each other. And we hope that we can get some of that normality back here in the future. And we don't know when exactly that is or what that looks like, uh, but we hope that it's soon. Um, July isn't too far and, and we haven't made any decisions, but we are starting the conversation as to what it will look like when we can come back and worship together as one church body, one family, worshiping with the people that we love. In this community, you guys have shown up in such a major way. There has been people stepping up saying, how can I give? How can I contribute to those families who are in need? And I am so proud of our community, of our church, of you guys who have just taken this opportunity to make an impact on this community in a major way. And we hope that this continues. And in a time like now, what we have experienced recently, it's even more of a reason for us to step up. There is no room for racism, for hate in this community, in this church, and certainly not in the kingdom. With salvation, we don't earn silence. And as a matter of fact, the Bible calls us to be the light of the world, to be a voice and to stand up for what is wrong. And so we stand with you, we mourn with you, and we're here for you. Before we begin, I just want to have a word of prayer. Father God, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come and worship you. And even if we're in our homes or watching on our cell phones, whatever the case may be, God, we know that you're present. We know that you not only exist here in this church, but you exist in our homes, in our lives, and in our hearts. So God, in these next few moments, as we ask ourselves the question, why it is that we have chosen to follow Jesus, to follow you, God, may you speak to us. May you challenge us, and may we be changed. May you use me to speak what it is you have for this community. Amen. We've all gone through the task of setting goals and expectations. And for some, it's very aspirational, those goals that we set. And for some, they're very realistic. For me, one of my 
goals as a kid was to become a professional athlete. And standing here today, you know that that dream didn't come true. And I had this idea that I was going to become some, at the time, a basketball player. And I thought, one day I'm going to be in the NBA playing basketball. For others, it's becoming an astronaut. And if you watched just last week, Elon Musk and, and uh, I believe it's the Falcon 9 took off into space. And someone like Elon Musk, who has achieved so much, his goals for many thought were very aspirational. He had to make decisions each and every day to achieve those goals and those aspirations. It didn't just happen overnight. It wasn't just handed to him. You see, the decisions that we make today and tomorrow will impact whether or not or how close we reach the goals that we have set for ourselves and maybe that God has put in our hearts. I said a few weeks back, there's power in testimony. And I had the opportunity to sit down with one of our young adults, a leader, as a matter of fact, Marquia. And we got to hear her story. And what I said was, what we have in this world is our testimony. The Bible says in Revelation that they overcame the, him by the blood of the Lamb and of the testimony of their hearts. A testimony so deeply rooted that 2,000 years later we still speak of his name, of his story. And that story has the power to change lives, to give people hope, direction, meaning, and purpose. It's what gives us the foundation. We speak the words so many times. We've sang the song, Oh, how I love Jesus, because he first loved me. And that's the decision that we've made, but there is more to those words. It's the tip of the iceberg, and what's below it is your story, your experiences, your upbringing, your culture, whatever has happened to you in your past, whether good or bad, that is what has created you. And that is your testimony, and that is the story that you hang on to. And at the end of the day, that is what's behind why you've chosen to follow Jesus. It's been very difficult to achieve that and tell that story more and more with the environment that we're in and the climate of just being isolated. But if you've been in touch with social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, our team, our volunteers, they've done a good job at sharing the story of some in our church. And sometimes we don't even think about the story that the person that we're sitting next to in church, the story that they have to tell. We've been able to hear some youth, some young adults, and some adults share their story, their testimony as to why they have chosen to follow Jesus. And what you're going to hear in this series is some more of that. And today you're going to hear a little bit about my story and as to why I've chosen to follow Jesus, to make that an everyday decision. In this quarantine, we've had the chance to take a step back. And it was almost as if the world was moving so fast. And for me, the last three and a half years of my daughter's life, it almost felt like time moved so quickly. Technology, our lives, the pace of work, everything was just getting faster and faster. And I would think to myself, at some point, the wheels are going to fall off. And never in my life did I think it would turn out like this. But in this crisis, there has been an opportunity for us to take a step back and look at our life spiritually, physically, mentally, assess where we are with God, 
with our family and our careers and reassess and potentially tweak some things to put ourselves in a better position. For me, the very first time that this question was tested was my first year in college and I've told the story to some of you before so I won't go too much into detail about it but it was my first year and I had uh, gone to a public university and it was a psychology class with an atheist professor who challenged that question in me. Why do I follow Jesus? No longer was I surrounded by my group of friends who had the same foundation, same theology, the same ideas of who God was. In fact, I was surrounded by a room of 500 different students with different beliefs, opinions, all challenging each other in that class. And for once, no longer could I just say, well, it's what my parents taught me. It's how I was raised because it wasn't enough. I needed a stronger foundation. I needed my own story so that when I say the words, I choose to follow Jesus, it comes out with passion and excitement and love. And so I needed to create that experience for myself and look back and saying, God, if I choose to follow you, why? So in Matthew 4, if you have your Bibles, Matthew 4, uh, we're going to be in 4, 18 through 22. And if you, maybe you've read the story plenty. If you haven't, I encourage you to take a, a, an afternoon and just read through Matthew 4. And it's the calling of his first disciples, the first four. We have Simon who later is called Peter, and Andrew, and James, and John. And so as we're reading through this, we first see that John, Simon, and, and Peter are first, Simon and Andrew are first called, and immediately they're given a command. They're given a command to follow him. Now at first you think these two individuals must be crazy to follow a man who they just met. Well, before in the chapter, you see that Jesus had been baptized and he goes to Galilee and he starts preaching. What we do know is that he was preaching before. And so one could guess that these men had encountered him before. So you have Simon, who is Simon and Andrew. And he tells them, follow me. There was serious disparity between the four the two sets of brothers. You have Simon and, and Andrew and James and John. And we know a little bit about their story. And actually Mark, the book of Mark, tells us a little bit more. It says, when they were called, they left their father with their hired workers, indicating that they were in a good place. They had, one could say they had everything they needed. So much work that they had to hire help. I don't know how their marketing strategy was, their scheme, and they just caught really good fish. I don't know. But they were doing so well that they had hired workers. And we, we don't know the situation with, with Simon and Andrew. But let's just say that they're on opposite ends of the spectrum here. Maybe one, one group of brothers have everything they need and the others don't. But both sets drop their nets at one command and they follow this man. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, I'm not going to ask you if you're a Simon or an Andrew or a James or a John, but what we potentially have are two extremes of socioeconomic status. 
one who have it all and others who potentially have nothing at all. And I'm not going to ask you who, who you resonate with more, but I want you to think, given your situation, your circumstance, and that may have changed in the last two or three months. Maybe you've lost your job, or, and I've even heard of others who've earned a job throughout this time, but whatever has happened in your life recently, in your situation, in your status, in your circumstance, if Jesus asked you to leave everything behind, would you do it? With, if everything that you've worked for and you've earned, would you be willing to let it all go with one command, with a man proclaiming to be the Son of Man? You see, something inside of these four men and what we'll soon discover 12 is something was missing of, in their life. So much so that they were ready to make a radical decision and leave it all behind, whether they were in a good place or not. They chose to follow Jesus. And perhaps now it's time to shuffle our lives around, put ourselves in a position so that if the time comes that we can say yes. So that becomes an ongoing decision that we always choose to follow him. But it doesn't get easier as time goes on. The world will continue to move and one day we will be at a fast pace again but it's your story, it's your testimony, it's what Jesus is constantly doing in your life that you have to hold on to. It's, it's what's beneath the tip of the iceberg, it's what's rooted in you, it's what keeps you grounded and allows you to make that decision where nothing else matters, that when Jesus calls, you will follow him. I follow Jesus so that my perspective is aligned with his perspective for me, so that my heart breaks for what breaks his heart. So that I desire what he desires. Because in the end, I know that what he has for me is better than anything that I could have ever imagined for myself. And maybe that's where Simon and Andrew and James and John were. I've, I've tried to make my own plans and 10 years ago, I never imagined I would be right here in this moment. I had plans for my life. It didn't involve me being here. I thought if I could just manipulate things a certain way and, and talk to the right people, I'd be in a different space and time, but Jesus had other plans the moment I gave it all to him. And maybe this is where they were. They were in their routine, in their jobs. They were in a good flow, a system. Everything was working well. They had a routine every day, but something just wasn't right. Something just was missing in their life, so much so that they drop their nets with one command. We continually pursue something that just isn't enough, but Jesus says, I am everything. I am enough. I choose to follow Jesus, to love and to be loved with no conditions whatsoever. And in hopes that I may love in the same way. When Christ healed, he cared for others and nothing else mattered, not their past, not their present, and certainly not their future. The woman at the well's past didn't impact how Jesus would love and care for her. The tax collector's present status and how he carried himself in the present day had no impact 
on how Jesus would love and care for him. And certainly Judas's future decisions had no impact on how Jesus would love and care for him. It didn't matter their gender, their race, their color, their age. Nothing else mattered when Jesus loved. And that is the love that we are called to. A few months back, we got to attend a conference and a pastor put this date on the screen. The date's November 7, 2020. For some of you, the first thing that comes to mind, it's election day. It's close, but it's the Sabbath after election day. And on that day, our duty is to come together and worship as one body loving one another, loving our community. Nothing else matters. We put everything aside, every opinion, feeling, emotion, whatever views that you may have, whatever debates you've had, however you've exposed yourself on social media, however you've chosen to do that, whatever that looks like for you, we are called to put that aside. If your side wins or not, on that day we come together and we worship our one true Savior. That is our duty. In your testimony, why you've chosen to follow him, the substance, the roots, what's beneath the surface is what will ground you throughout this time between now and then. Can we come together on that day, put aside our differences, because the only thing that matters is the choice we have made, and that is the choice to worship our Creator God. Can we do that? Jesus will be your anchor. Despite everything that's going on in this world, we have a duty to be the light of the world. If this is the choice we've made, if we've chosen to follow Jesus, we've chosen to speak out, to love, to love with no condition because that's how Christ accepted us and loved us. In the midst of our brokenness, of our evil, Jesus still loved. And that is our duty. If we are created in His image, it's our duty as well to love as he has loved. This is a daily fight. It's an ongoing choice. It's a conscious choice that we make every day. We say, Jesus, I choose to follow you. If you haven't read The Great Controversy, I encourage you to read it. But it's all about the war for us between God and Satan and what is happening. It's a daily choice. Adeline, my daughter, if you don't know her, if you haven't met her, it's the cutest thing in the world. She thinks she owns Upper Room when we're over there. She runs around uh, pretty much telling people what they need to be doing. If you've seen her in church, uh, she just walks around like this is her home. She does it at our house. She tells us what we need to be doing and, and how we need to sit. And she likes to play teacher and she likes to play mom. But a few months back when this started to occur, it was, we were probably about a month in the, this pandemic. She said, Papa, do you remember when we used to get in the car and I used to sit in my car seat and we'd go for a ride? Do you remember? We'd go to Publix. I'd get my cookie. Do you remember that? And it absolutely broke my heart because she talked as if that was a reality that she would no longer experience ever again, that it was so far removed from her experience that it was just a memory. She'd pushed it so far away. There was so much space in between that experience and her reality that 
She said, no longer am I ever going to do that again. Well, we got in the car soon after that. We took a ride. She was in her car seat and she absolutely loved it. But sometimes I think we treat our relationship with Jesus in the same way where we've pushed God so far away. We haven't made that decision that we think, well, the idea of Jesus in my life, it's just a memory. It's too far gone. But the Bible says differently. It says, surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. It's there. It's available. It's for you. The decision to follow Jesus is always available. Can we love? Can we come together? Can we make that choice daily to follow him? And maybe you've never made that choice before. Maybe this is the time, this space where there's not much going on and the world is ramping up slowly back to somewhat of a normal situation, normal life. But maybe this is the time that you take a step back. You take a view of your life and you say, now is the time that I can choose to follow Jesus. Maybe for the first time, maybe for the fifth time. I praise God that he is one that gives us second, third, fourth, and fifth chances. And his love is always available. His mercy is available. His grace, his compassion and belonging They're available, but the choice is yours. I follow Jesus for my purpose. And this is a question that millennials and the generation after me is asking themselves, and even older than me. I'm a young adult pastor, and it seems like the gap of what young adult is just keeps getting bigger and bigger. I think it was 36, now it's, it was 38, now it's 40. But we're all asking ourselves the idea of who we are. Identity, purpose, and belonging. Who am I, where do I fit in, and how do I belong? Matthew 28, we've all read it. If you haven't, that's the second passage I want you to read, and that's the Great Commission. It's in our DNA. It's in our mission, it's in our vision, it's in our values. It's how we choose as a Forest Lake Church to live the gospel. This is a product of that decision. Are you making disciples? There's a command that we've been given as followers of Christ. And in this time and space, especially in the life that we're living right now, this is our duty and our obligation. It's not to be silent, but to go out and make disciples. You see, Jesus tells us that we're supposed to make disciples, but he never tells us exactly how. And that's because that job is for every single one of us in our current situation, in our context. Whatever job that you've been given, whatever neighborhood you've been placed in, whatever community that you live in, whatever the case may be, your job, your role as a follower of Christ is to make disciples. We are embarking on this warehouse project. If you haven't heard of it, you probably will hear more about it. But in our conversations, as we meet weekly via Zoom safely, and we talk about this warehouse, the question we're asking ourselves, is this building, will this space create disciples? If not, it's not worth it. Throw it away. Give it to somebody else. If the main purpose of what we are doing is not to make disciples for him, then it's just not worth it. That's a question that we've been asking ourselves now. 
try making disciples through Zoom. That's been a challenge for each and every one of us. And I thank God that even in the midst of all this, I received two personal calls of people who have been willing to give their life to Christ. Nothing I did, no Zoom conversation that I created for them to make that decision, but that was God speaking to their life, them taking a step back, reevaluating their life, and making that decision. The Spirit is working, and we have to believe that. Are you making disciples? Everything you've been given is for that purpose. If not, I challenge you to pray boldly. Challenge God to move you into a new season. Pray vulnerably. You don't have to cover for God in your prayers. That's not what we were created for. As a matter of fact, Jesus, in his very last moments in the Garden of Gethsemane, prays one of the most passionate, vulnerable prayers that anyone could ever imagine. And he says, Father God, if there is any other way, any way, do it. If not, your will be done, not mine. If there is any other way, take this from me because it is heavy. In the midst of all of that, Jesus prays one of the most vulnerable, open, transparent prayers of all. If Jesus can pray vulnerably, then we can too. I want to end with this, and it's one of David's most vulnerable and transparent prayers. One of former pastors here at Forest Lake Church, who's a mentor of mine, used to always say this. He says, if you forget everything else that I say, remember this. Pastor Danny would always end on that. So if you forget everything else that I have said, remember this, this prayer. Psalm 139, 23, and 24 It says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me at the invitation, the invitation for God to come into your life, into your heart. Know my heart to get to know you, to be in relationship with him. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. God, know my vulnerability. Know what makes me weak. Know what I fall to. Challenge me and change me. See if there is any offensive way in me. God, if I have any hate in my heart, anything that offends you, that breaks your heart, Lord, break mine. And lead me in the way everlasting. God, may I walk into eternity with you. I will say if you have the courage to pray it, you better have the courage to live it out. That is a serious prayer, and that is the prayer that we are given when we choose to follow Jesus. It's not an easy prayer to pray. It's a prayer that involves risk, but we are called to pray dangerously. The choice is yours, and it's a choice that we make daily. We don't make it one day and assume that God will continue to be remain close to us. It works two ways. Every morning when we wake up, we say, God, I'm choosing to follow you. May this be your prayer in the morning. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. 
see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I choose to follow Jesus to be enough, to be loved, to love others as I have been loved, to love with no condition, not age, not gender, not race, not socioeconomic status. We choose to love as he has loved. I choose to follow Jesus to make disciples, to no longer walk in the shadows, but be a leader in our community, in my community, in yours. Whatever that looks like for you, how are you accomplishing that, that task that we have been given? The choice is yours. It's yours to make daily. And today, I choose to follow Jesus.